I believe when you last came on in 2019, we talked briefly about pricing and you mentioned sort of ACV ranges in the 30,000-ish range. Are you hearing pushback from enterprise customers going, Randy, help a brother out, man? Or are you changing your pricing at all or no? Less so. No. And in fact, I mean, it's wild. Our our ACV is a a little bit more than double that today. So, wow. uh, You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Randy Frisch. He's the Chief Evangelist for Content Experience and Co-Founder at Uberflip, a marketing platform that empowers go-to-market teams to create content experiences at every stage of the buyer's journey. He's defined and led this movement, prompting marketers to think beyond content creation and truly put their customers first by focusing on the experience. Randy, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. Thanks, Nathan. All right. I know I remember our chat from years ago, and then you popped up in my LinkedIn the other day, and I reached back out. I'm glad to be reconnecting. So before we get into sort of how to market a downturn, right? And this is really what you're thinking a lot about today. Help us understand for people not familiar with Uberflip. What do you guys do? What do people pay you for? Sure. Uh, So we work with companies who have invested in content and are trying to figure out how to justify its spend. And what I mean by that is we've all invested so much in creating content, but we have this other problem now, which is how do I engage buyers? So we can help often more mid-sized to enterprise organizations take all the content they have, but the right content in front of the right buyer at the right time. So we actually power that end page that you send someone to. Maybe you're linking off an email an ad, a social post, whatever it might be, we're often linking to a destination and we are that destination, but completely personalized and relevant to the buyer. Mm -hmm. And is that, uh, so you're the technology that enables the brand that's paying you to customize that experience? Exactly. So we're a SaaS platform. Uh, We started this about 10 years ago. And when we were doing it, you know, we saw people investing in all this content. But one of the things that we felt was that they didn't have the technical skills to build these landing pages of content. So we became that actual displacement for a CMS in this use case. Not Mm -hmm. suggesting you don't need a CMS. CMSs are great. And I partner with a lot of them. Uh, Companies like WordPress VIP is, is one of our best partners in how we go to market. So a lot of people have a CMS But the CMS was ultimately built for a different user, right? Your web developer, your IT team, the marketer needs to personalize these experiences every day in all the campaigns that they're sending out. So we provide a platform that the marketer can use with no code to jump in and build these destinations completely though hosted on their own website. So Randy, one of the big questions I'm getting, you know, both during COVID and now with the economy doing what it's doing is Nathan, should we change our pricing? You know, we're pretty expensive. Should we go down market? I believe when you last came on in 2019, we talked briefly about pricing and you mentioned sort of ACV ranges in the 30,000-ish range. So I guess my question to you would be with, you know, let's skip COVID. Let's talk about like today, what the market's doing today. Are you hearing pushback from enterprise customers going, Randy, help a brother out, man. Or are you changing your pricing at all or no? Less so. No. And in fact, I mean, it's wild. Our our ACV is a a little bit more than double that today. So uh, when we took our first round of funding was probably just after we had connected Nathan, you know, four four years ago or so, that's the only round of funding we ever took. And that was just because that was the six, that was the 6 million in 2019. 
No, that was uh, maybe that was a debt round. But we oh, never you did thirty three in twenty eighteen. Yeah, so that was the only round that we ever really think about because we never touched that debt round. If that was six, I can't remember uh, what number was. That is what it was. Yeah, but you had yeah. two, and you had two small, smaller angel rounds before that—a million dollar and a three million angel round in twenty fifteen. Yeah, it was a save that that basically just rolled in, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, okay. go back, go back to the ARPU expansion story. That's incredible, though. So many people not expect an ACB to double in your space during COVID, and now with the economy doing what it's doing. I mean, was this just new products you were offering, or how'd you do that? I think it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, we always stood behind the idea that we weren't going to be a point solution and that we'd continue to build up the solution to be a true platform. You know, early days, we probably called it a platform before it was one. Um, but, you know, now we're really there. And, and what I mean by that is we'll power a lot of go-to-market strategies. Go-to-market is a term you're seeing splashed everywhere these days, that, G- that GTM acronym. Uh, so we have people who use us for their inbound strategy, you know, kind of circa HubSpot, you know, 10 years ago to account-based marketing ABM strategies today and everything in between sales engagement, demand generation. So the fact that someone can use us across all these different use cases and not just different use cases, but different users inside that organization. So we have a, you know, we have companies where the marketers, you know, really take the lead. And then we have a different product actually for sales users. And that also helped us increase ACV for- When did that product launch? Uh, the better version of that product, I'm going to say about 18 months ago, we had kind of a poor man's MVP out of the gate, you know, justified that, you know, that there was a need for this. Um, and remember what we do, we help put content in front of the right buyer at the right time. So as much as marketing is doing that is kind of air cover. You've also got sales reps who are ultimately needing to put content in every email they send out, you know, to chase a prospect at top of funnel or close a prospect, you know, lower down the bot near the bottom of the funnel. So, you know, adding some of those products is definitely one coming back to your question, how do we increase ACV, you know, creating more of a platform. The other was figuring out who our actual market was. Um, now that doesn't mean that we turn our way high growth, you know, kind of commercial accounts as we call them today, but those are more opportunistic for us. Whereas mm-hmm. early days we were trying to market and, you know, create leads and, you know, generate demand across all different, you know, parts of the market. Today, we're much more focused on enterprise accounts. And one of the things that's that's helped that ACV as well, when you work with an enterprise account, the way we, we've kind of landed into doing is that we often find ourselves in one business unit. So we haven't, I'll be honest, we haven't really had a lot of situations where we've sold the entire enterprise out of the gate, but we sell into a business unit. And because what we do is so... Well, what are those two units that you're selling into today? Marketing and sales? Marketing and sales. But when I'm, when I'm saying business unit, I'm actually talking about some of the brands we work with, taking a, a company like, like Trimble or Hexagon. Uh, these are great uh, customer of ours, enterprises. We'll often start with a business unit that's selling around a vertical or a go-to-market motion or certain product within their uh, portfolio. Okay, they're selling, PNG is selling Dove Soap and that Dove Soap unit will buy you. Yeah, typically we're a B2B buyer, but great analogy, right? Okay, okay. Um, so if Dove, I don't know what else PNG sells, but say they also Space, you know, you know. sell cookies or something like that. Then you know the group that, that sees what we've been able to do for their content. And remember, we are actually hosting that front-facing experience. So this isn't just behind-the-scenes management. This is actually the published web pages that go out to your customers. People see that and they'll say to their colleagues, how did you do that? How did you pull it off? How did you do it in such a timely manner? And when they see that, 
that we get that inbound inquiry. So it's it's very much a viral referral-based internal expansion. So back to your question on how do we increase ACV, we do it because we're able to really win over a specific business unit and then we expand. So one of the things that we've done is really cool. That, that's oh, Randy, like, wait, hold on. Before you yeah, get more tactics, I have questions about what you've already described. Um, yeah. uh, Poor man's MVP. A lot of people are trying to get a poor man's MVP out and they just struggle. It never goes live. They can't get feedback. What what was that for you guys? So so it's interesting. Uh, for us, it was just not as savvy of a version of what we do today. And it was built, I'd say, primarily with an internal idea versus the voice of the customer. But how did you um, get it out? So was it some product person, you know, mocking it up in Google? That, was our, that was our VP of engineering uh, who did the first version of that. Uh, it was kind of a side project for him. He felt it could be, it could solve a need. He, and, and he talked to the customers too to get more feedback. Not, not tremendously. I mean, he okay. he had a line of communication, but he kind of went off and built it on his own. Um, you know, it stuck around for a year or so, and and we had people using it, but it 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 lacked a lot of the features that it needed. Um, and I'll give credit to the kind of the more robust part of our platform, which we call Sales Assist, which is this add-on that lives inside of your Gmail, your Outlook, or if you're using like a sales loft or outreach, you know, from a nurture perspective as, as a seller, uh, you know, this thing just follows along and allows you to gather and assemble the right assets and drop them into an email and then click through that and land on this page of handpicked content and personalized elements for mm-hmm. you. So that piece Actually, even at our scale, um, you know, we were over 150 people at this point. It was oh, what my, year was this? Uh, it was two Decembers ago. So 2020. late 2020. My yeah. co-founders, our CEO, kind of just you know closed closed himself off as he does from time to time, and went away, went away at, at hacking at this. The cool part about it, as much as he built a lot of this himself, he built it off our APIs that our engineering team had, had made possible. So it wasn't him necessarily going off and creating this skunk project. It was him building off the platform that we had enabled. So as much as he built this, one of our customers could have built this. That was the cool. Yeah, that's part that's of that. so cool. All right, as you guys know, I am hunting for a founder that I think is gonna grow to 100 million bucks in revenue with just them as the only full-time employee. How are they gonna get there? Well, they're gonna automate all their tasks. They're gonna hire contractors. They're gonna have an internal learning management system for all those contractors to have high, high, high output. And the question is, how will they do it? Now, I haven't found that founder yet, but I have found people who are close, including Netcore. They've bootstrapped to 95 million bucks of revenue and 12 million in profits, and they rely on this very unique tool called Rocket Lane. They use Rocket Lane to write playbooks, reuse those playbooks internally to grow Netcore, things like how to do a webinar, how to do a live event, how to push code. They also use it to track, plan, and manage resources and time efficiently across all of their dozens and actually hundreds now of team members. And it's also a collaborative central space for you and your customers. So you can ask your customers feedback for you know mock-up feedback, have your design team edit, then get your customers feedback all in this one tool. Now, they listened to the show. They reached out. They said, Nathan, we think folks will love it. I said, you're right. Give me a great deal. They did. You guys can try the tool for free at nathanlaka.com forward slash rocket lane. That's nathanlaka.com forward slash R-O-C-K-E-T-L-A-N-E, rocket lane. Check it out today. Try it for free. What does your ecosystem of customers and users look like today? Are you able to share sort of how many hexagons of the world you work with today? 
You know, I, I, I don't give exact numbers, but it's interesting to your, you'd guess that our customer count just keeps going up. Our customer count actually doesn't really go up the count because we are comfortable in some cases losing some of the smaller customers that we had. We don't chase them away, but we know that we are building products for mid-market enterprise organizations today and, you know, takes less of those customers. Um, yep. you know, the way when you're expanding people, revenue, so that works nice. Yeah, we're expanding revenue. And, and, you know, the reality is that I think people sometimes have to remind themselves as much as it, it's, it can be great to have a lot of customers, then you need a true product led growth approach. You need to really ensure that you're self-serve. We want to get more and more there or back there, which is where we started. Cause you know, sometimes you don't want to lose that either, but when you, you know, when you are focused on onboarding and having customer success reps and things like that, you got to make sure you've got the ACB to, to justify that. And, and what does your split for your current reps look like today? How many folks are full on the team and how many like SDRs do you have? Um, I don't actually know the numbers by heart. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you must use your own tool though to go to market, right? That's why I ask. We do. We do. So, so we have a smaller BDR team um, relative to our AE team. We've got a really long-serving, tenured sales team of people who've been here five plus years. So the nice thing about them is they, you know, a lot of them were BDRs and they're they're not shy to, you know, roll up their sleeves and get to know their accounts. And again, because we're going for these bigger logos, bigger accounts, you know, it is very relationship-based right from the beginning. Randy, give me a takeaway though for my audience, right? So you've got 183 people total on the team today on LinkedIn. Like what percent team size are you dedicated to is really your sales motion? You think it's under 20 people? No, it's over 20 people. Oh, if okay, you include sales consultants and, you know, we, we also divide new logo and expansion. So we actually have um, AEs who are doing new logo. And then we have what we call account directors that are sales reps. In many cases, they've been sales reps with us for years. Who have moved on to work with some of these larger accounts that we were talking about earlier to be able to expand that ACV. Do you give the- them a net dollar retention or expansion target? If they don't hit it, they don't make commission. Correct. Yeah. Oh wow. Sense. So you treat them like a regular salesperson. It's just it's yeah. only in internal yeah. customers. But they're very relationship based and they're very much focused. You know, there's still a customer success rep on that account, but that success rep is working more so with the the existing install base. Whereas that account director is looking to work with other business units, as I described earlier. Um, yep. And we do really cool things to support them in marketing too. Like uh, one of the things that we've done, we call them uh, forum days. Um, and I get to host them kind of as an MC. So we'll take one of our accounts and we'll kind of invite a whole bunch of their other colleagues in other business units and we'll do a show and tell day. So part of that is the, you know, the principal account holder will demonstrate the things that they've done to their peers. We also bring mm-hmm. some of our other customers to kind of speak as to things that they've done. It's very it's it's kind of like a full day lunch and learn of understanding how our platform, which is semi-hosted as I said by me, but we we think of it as really hosted by the account, you know, the account themselves, right? Our champion inside of there gets to say, look what I've done. If anyone else wants to learn about this, here's an opportunity. And for our larger accounts, we do that once a year. The account director, as I just described, is very involved in that. And it, it, it really allows them to lead uh, that account to, to some of these expansion opportunities. So Randy, before we wrap up here with the famous five, if you had to sum up in a sentence or two, how to market a downturn, what's the answer? 
You know, uh, it's a great question and I don't have all the answers. So what I did just to give credit is I was wrote to write a blog post about this and I was like, I don't know shit. So I, I went out and I asked four CMOs who were CMOs, not recently, but, and, and they still are recently, but back in 2008, like the last real long bear market that we all had to go through, uh, Megan Eisenberg, uh, Brian Cardin, Peter Isaacson, Alyssa Fink, who was a CMO at Tableau for 12 years. I mean, these are amazing people. And they gave me about eight big takeaways. You can check those out, but I'll give you a couple of them. One uh, that I think they all hit on is be a chief optimist. Um, you know, that that becomes your new title change because you got to rally not just the marketing team, the sales team, you got to really adapt. The second one that they gave me um, that I'll highlight was you know, focus on revenue generation. And what they meant by that is, yes, you got it. You know, you'll hear everyone say, keep, keep on your brand, but you still got to bring leads in. You know, you may not be able to get as many leads, but you've got to find those channels. You got to be able to look at your efficiency on a channel by channel basis. Um, the last one, just because I know we're at time, I'll give you is, you know, lean in on content now more than ever. Uh, they all agreed on this. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go create more content, Right. But it means you have to go and do an audit of the content you have to understand what's going to be important. What, do, what are people looking for now? Because it's different, right? What, what they're looking for now is different, just as it was different when the pandemic hit, right? When the pandemic hit, we all had to change our content, our messaging. We've got to do that again. The good news is we've gotten better at it, but we have to lean in. We've got to do so in a way that's not obnoxious, where they're like, oh, they're just trying to like talk to me like I'm an idiot, doesn't understand what a recession means. But more so, talk to them in a way that's relevant to the way their team may have been restructured as of late, may have different budgets to work with, you know, may have different goals that they need to accomplish as a result, and show how your solution can help them navigate whatever problems may be ahead. As I'm creating content, Ryan's creating content. If you want to learn more from him, go check out his podcast called The Market Marketer's Journey. It's a good one. Randy, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, still the hard, th- hard thing about hard things. Is Number it, two, is there, a, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll lean on my, on my other favorite book with Bob Iger, uh, Ride of a Lifetime. And I just find you know, the way he approached all of his acquisitions just you know, so fascinating. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Uberflip besides your own? I live in Canada every day. Such a great solution, so easy to use. That's same mindset behind Uberflip. Uh, you know, remove the friction to get shit done. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I have a terrible shoulder injury, so I'm lucky to sleep like three hours a night before oh. I get up. But you know, it's all right. You know, work out in the morning and you get through it. A brutal, brutal. All right. So, but but three hours, wake up, go back to sleep for another three hours, something like that. I get six to seven hours a night. All right. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids. I'm uh, married for 16 years. I got three kids. My oldest is 15, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old. Wow. How cool. And how old are you? I'm 43. 43. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, better to create something than expect something to be given to you. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Guys, uberflip.com, they help you go to market by creating personalized experience, content experiences at scale, especially for those marketers that get frustrated waiting on engineering to customize stuff for you. They help you solve that. Back in 2019, when I last had Randy on, they were flirting with sort of $30,000 ACVs. He shared that even during COVID and during the pandemic, they've almost doubled that ACV by moving and introducing more uh, product features to these same set of customers. He shared back then they were flirting with sort of 300, 400, 500 customers, looking now at going deeper into those customers as they look to scale with a team of 183, doubling down on marketing in a downturn with more content personalized at scale. Randy, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Anthony.